You're listening to the Living with Licensing podcast, brought to you by Asgard Media. L-I-C-E-N-S-I-N-G, news and info, stuff is happening, here's the place you've got to go, for the cool kids in the know. Now here's your host, Kelvin Gardner. Welcome to episode six of Living with Licensing, and I'm delighted to welcome this week's guest, Darren Gardner. Hey, Kelvin. How are you doing? Darren, I'm doing great, mate. And it's so good to talk to you after probably um, a year and a half, maybe two years since I last spoke to you, in fact. Yeah, it's been a... <laughs> what, what a different <laughs> world we're living in right now. <laughs> in every sense of the word. In fact, I think the last time I did speak to you face-to-face was at Toy Fair 2018, London Toy Fair, that is. And, of course, we didn't have a London Toy Fair. Well, we did, we did get London Toy Fair 2019, and then... Was zip, wasn't it? After that, effectively, absolutely right. Yeah, I've, I mean, I've, I was fortunate enough, possibly, if you could put it that way, to get to New York Toy Fair. Oh, right. Um, yes. Just before the chaos ensued, but um, it, it'll all come back at some point. I'm a, I'm a, a, I'm an optimist, not a pessimist. So we'll we'll all be back again. Exactly, and I think that's the nature of our industry, uh, and, and I agree and wholeheartedly with that. So, yeah, tell us, what, what are you up to? Before we get into your history and background, tell us what you're up to at the moment then, Darren. Yeah, so, um, I mean, I've, uh, I'm, I'm working in the toy industry, um, uh, which I've, I've always been fascinated with, and with three young boys at home, it's one yeah. that <laughs> I, I feel I, I personally keep well financed. Yeah. Um, particularly as normally the kids aren't into things that I manufacture or ah, distribute. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Albeit I'm actually trying to change that. Um, my, my young boy, Freddie uh, and Seb, they're, they're eight and 10 respectively. Um, they've now got roles in um, our new company, Toy Kido. Oh yeah. Okay. Um, so Freddie is my, my chief gaming officer. Sounds um, good. And then Seb is um, going to be marketing because he's happy to spend the money. Uh, <laughs> I'm sure all marketers no, <laughs> will love that description of their job. Uh. <laughs> but no, I mean, in, in, in all seriousness, it's, I mean, that's, it's brilliant to have those consumers in the house with me. Yeah. Because, yeah. I mean, some of the stuff that we pitched with or, or worked with in, in the last few years, they've been, they have been fans of. Yeah. Um, yeah. To see them playing Minecraft, Roblox, yep. Among Us, yeah, um, Fall Guys. I mean, they're they're ahead of this curve long long before it sort of gets on the the radar of our industry. As such. Absolutely right. Your, your difficulty will be keeping them at that age so they remain perfect market uh, internal market well, <laughs> for the rest of it. <laughs> Well, we've, we've, we've got little Bertie, who's 18 months, so I think we, do, we oh, just, keep, make, we just a, keep making them. Okay, yeah, it's, <laughs> it's, it's an interesting technique. So, <laughs> anyway, let's, let, let's take you back a bit, talking about children. Tell me about your background, school days, and where you come from, Twickenham, I understand it originally. I do, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I've been, I was, I've, I was brought up in Teddington, uh, oh, school yeah. in Teddington and Sunbury, so all around this area, really. Um, it's funny. I listened to Richard North's um, podcast that he oh, yeah. did, yeah. <laughs> and and I can I can pull against similar stories in terms of I mean, schooling. Yes, I, I I'm not going to play this podcast to my kids. Um, <laughs> schooling, schooling wasn't really for me. Um, albeit, I, I got through school, um, excluded from a from a couple. Um, wow. yeah. Got through to A levels. Um, failed them on my first attempt. I didn't really take it too seriously, but mm. 
very fortunate that Chris Wilson, um, who was my sixth form tutor at the time, kind of sat me down and said, this, this is a crossroads of life. Um, which as a, as a 16, (laughs) 17 year old, it's difficult to take seriously, but he was, he was right. And he said, listen, take a year out of your life, do this again and, and just move forward. And so I did. And thankfully passed, went on to university. Um, and, and ironically, uh, Kelvin, I've actually been asked back to do speeches at the business school of my university. Fantastic. Um, and, and to sit as sort of a board advisor for the university, mm. um, liaising with the students of the business school and future prospecting yeah. companies. Yeah, terrific. Which, which if you told the, the, the kid who, <laughs> <laughs> who was commiserating after failing his A-levels that he'd be representing his university. Mm. Um, well, yeah, but a slightly unusual route. But as you say, uh, Richard North had a similar sort of pattern in his early days. And I think it's a testimony to the fact that you, people should never give, never give up and never be written off because it's very difficult to protect what, to predict what your real life path's going to be when you're just dealing with school exams or what have you. I think that's great. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. So you got through that. I think you, you did a degree in sports science. I think you told me was the background. So when you actually finished your degree, what, what was your path into work for the first time? Yeah, it's a good question. I mean, I did sports science. I quickly realized that I had a couple of paths. One was to continue studying, um, which, I mean, friends of mine did, and they've successfully gone on to be physios at Southampton Football Mm. Club and and Tottenham, um, uh, to become a teacher, uh, which I I don't think vocationally I would have had the patience, Um, (laughs) or to look at something else. And I just happened to fall into our industry that we're in sort of licensing and, and entertainment. I, I needed to pay the, I needed yeah. to pay the rent. Um, so when I you say you an fell age. into it, how, exactly how did that occur then? So, uh, so uh, you'll recall there was a, a company based in Putney um, called LCI UK. Yes, indeed. Yeah. Um, that went on to become four kids entertainment. Yeah. Um, and they had arguably still to this day one of the hottest brands to hit our industry in pokemon mm, um, yes and i went in for an interview um it was merchandising i'd, I'd actually worked in at tesco's in the frozen food section all right at, in, at, <laughs> at, at nighttime merchandising frozen food right. it, was the, it was the best paid job that you could get right. within tesco's and um yeah, I, I assume merchandising would be that. Um, so, did you see an advert, or where, where did you? Hear I did. Yeah, yeah. Right I, I went into I went into Reed, the uh, agency in Putney, yeah. and yeah. and they put me forward for this um, fabulously well paid, I think it was fourteen thousand pound a year <laughs> role. Yeah. Um, and I I fell in love from from day two of my probation and you won't know kelvin but you've got a little hand in that yourself oh really okay because day day two of my probation um uh, a young guy called chris rodman from tops (laughs) right okay (laughs) entered the office with a with a comedy check one of these oversized checks yeah yeah um which had several noughts on uh (laughs) with six bottles of champagne yeah and that was that month's royalty statement for Pokemon. Oh, for Pokemon, yes, indeed. Uh, yeah. And I was uh, I was living with my mum at the time, and uh, and I went home and I said, Do you know what? I, I think this business is okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's that. that the, all of that story is interesting for many respects, including the fact that um, 
Clive Hill, I think, would, would have been your boss at the time. Was that right? That, um, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Could, he was he was very determined to stay in Putney uh, as a business. I think he was under pressure to move somewhere more central at one time. And the fact that he's advertised a job with local uh, Putney job agencies was was testimony to that. And it, it brought you into our business. So what, well well done, Clive. <laughs> I, I don't, I actually, I wrote to Clive a couple of months ago just to, just to thank him. Uh, yeah. And just give him a bit of an update because he he certainly was one of those visionaries with with Al Khan and, and the yeah. rest of that team yeah. Yeah. Um, for our industry at the time. Yeah, in fact, so again, it, it probably will be outside the purview of some of our younger listeners. But um, four kids, as it was, had a meteoric rise on the American stock market as a result of Pokemon. I think they split the stock about four times. Um, yeah, made, made a huge amount of money. Uh, about Pokemon, as indeed it was, in fact, it was, uh, this is your podcast, not, not mine, but I also call Tops made a huge amount of money out of Pokemon. They were a listed company too. Uh, and um, I remember the chairman of Tops was always, um, as as happens in listed companies when he was doing the investor calls, was always being asked, what are you going to do next? What are you going to do next? And nobody ever really gave them the credit for, for doing Pokemon. They were just wondering, how are you going to uh, yes. follow that? And of course, four kids had exactly the same problem. How do you follow Pokemon, you, you basically yeah. can't, can you? No, no, it's uh, you're absolutely right. I mean, I was fortunate enough to pay off my student loan with my Pokemon bonus. <laughs> right. um, so, so Pokemon uh, does so many good things for so many people, Darren. Absolutely. <laughs> I mean, I've, I'm buying. I mean, it's one of those brands. Some somebody asked me the the, the other day about sort of what brands stand the test of time. Mm. Um, and having sold Pokemon, albeit I wish I still had the cards that I had under my desk in, <laughs> right. at that time, but yeah. but I've I've recently been buying it for my own kids. Yeah. Um, so it's a real testament to that brand, the way it's been managed over the years and 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 looked after, really. Yeah. yeah. Um, that that we continue to talk about it and it continues to grow and astonish me. Yes, I mean, it had a sort of fallow 10 years or so where it re really retreated back to the cards and the video games and then slowly reestablished itself, but very carefully managed, as you say, very carefully managed, and that's enabled its longevity uh, to continue. And uh, Pikachu and Friends are now well-established as all-time classics, aren't they, really? I Absolutely. That's right. But I, I remember you, you at some point at Four Kids, you were given like the Eastern Europe portfolio, as you <laughs> how, how did that come about? <laughs> Yeah, I, I think it was it was quickly um, established that I I don't know I'm going to say my Irish mother's gift of the gab, um, but I was given the challenging markets and 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 seen <laughs> if and and seen if there was opportunities there, yeah. and it's one of the best things that could have happened. Um, yeah. I actually didn't, you know, and we'll come on to it, but I, I actually hadn't worked the UK market until I went to Moshi Monsters. Ah, right, okay. Um, yeah. A good, yeah. a good yeah. sort of ten years into this business. Yeah. yeah. So no, I did. I, I looked after what they called the emerging markets, which was Central Eastern Europe, Russia. Yeah. Um, and as a as sort of early twenties to be going into places like Russia and uh, and the Ukraine and um, mm, yeah. Romania, Bulgaria, and and quickly established a. a a, a network that very few people had mm, because yes, yeah. not, not many brands outside of Pokemon and the Disney franchises were in those markets other than local brands that were. Yeah. Could you be talking the, the, the very beginning of this century, the year 2000, 2001, maybe something like that. Yeah. It would be 2001. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, so, so yeah, they, they were really the undiscovered country as the, as the poet says, weren't they? All those emerging Eastern European markets. 
Yeah, and I've, I mean, it's, it's, I've got some great stories for a, a late night edition of this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> um, from travels through those countries but yeah. i mean just phenomenal experiences which then actually when when we go further down to to then come in and manage established markets yeah i mean a phenomenally easier mm. um so yes, to, I, yeah. I'm, I'm very grateful to have been sort of cut my teeth in what i'd, I'd call the harder uh, <laughs> Yes, well, it must have been quite a task, but then maybe maybe it was one of those things you were like the man without fear. You didn't know what you were taking on maybe when they well, sent true. you up there. <laughs> it's, very, it's very true. Yeah, it could be right. But uh, but a fascinating period. And of course, those markets are now amongst the faster growing ones in uh, in licensing worldwide. So that groundwork that you and some of those early early uh, exporters to that market is paying off in the long term. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, it's, yeah. and you're absolutely right. And I think there's... There's still, I mean, I'm now fascinated with, with, with Africa um, uh, and certain regions in Asia because there's very few kind of untapped. It's like looking yeah. for a rare species yes. of animal. There's, there's, <laughs> it's now looking for those markets which have a, a phenomenal consumer base, yeah. um, but really putting the foundations in of a true product in them and yeah. them not just being a, a dumping ground, for want of a better phrase, a product that has not worked elsewhere or been oversold elsewhere. Yes, I think you're right. And it, it will be fascinating over the next 10 years to see what other markets come in. I, I had a couple of conversations during Festival of Licensing with companies from Bangladesh, for instance, so themselves yeah. looking to not just act as a manufacturer for British retailers, but to, uh, to come into the business in their own right. And, and that's where it's going to happen. Yeah, so four kids then, Daz. You're, you're happily touring the, the eastern, the emerging eastern European markets at four kids. And um, I remember showing me some deals you'd done for things like uh, radio-controlled uh, helicopters and all, all that sort of uh, high-tech stuff back in the day. And uh, so things must have been pretty go, going pretty well there. So we're moving along now to what you said was, a, was another very crucial part of your career. How, what how did the Moshi Monsters thing come about? How did that happen? Yeah, uh, I, it, you know, a, a friend of mine, a friend of mine sums me up, and, uh, and I think he's right. That uh, <laughs> he says I, I enjoy the journey more than the conclusion. <laughs> right. <laughs> um, and, and Moshi came about. I'd, I'd been looking around for new opportunities, and and I think Michael. Um, obviously, we knew, <laughs> we know Mike, Michael enjoys the press. Right. Uh, and I, I think I'd seen an article of Michael talking about this online world for kids. Hmm. Um, and I didn't have kids at the time. but yeah. um, So I cold emailed info at MindCandy. So, they, so the, uh, the website was already up and, that, and, it's in, and it's in early days, was it, that you'd picked this up? Yeah, it was. Yeah, it was, uh, it was getting thousands of um, users. Yeah. Um, I mean, fast forward... Uh, I don't know, 12 months and I was in the office where we picked up 170,000 users in a day. <laughs> right. Um, yeah, yeah. So yeah, it was very much in its infancy. Uh, there were nine people, um, yeah. eight, eight, eight people. I was employee number nine. Okay. Um, and I sent Michael an email saying that I've got a background in Pokemon. Um, yeah. Your little moshlings yeah. look very collectible. I think we could do something very special with them. Yeah. Uh, it, it was a great, journey because i went in and there was there was having come from four kids that was nasdaq um floated and yeah. we had systems and we yeah. had 
people and we had everything. I walked into Mind Candy uh, and there was an Ikea box with my desk to build. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> yeah. And it, it was fantastic. So we, we built everything from scratch. Yeah. Um, an amazing journey. I mean, we, I think 2012, 2013, from a UK perspective, we were yeah. the biggest brand um, in the market mm. uh, ahead, ahead of Star Wars both years. Um, and in, in, and we got distribution in, uh, I think in the end, I think we were 20 plus countries around the world. Right. Of course. Yeah. Which, yeah. which from the base of where we started, which was a little studio in Battersea. Yeah. Um, and then took ourselves to Shoreditch. Um, yeah, hit, Shoreditch hit, eventually, yeah. Hit Silicon Roundabout, but never, re- we never, we, the exit that everybody talks about, we, we never saw the exit, but we, we certainly learned a lot along the way. Um, yeah, so well, of course, it was, a, as you say, it was an amazing uh, growth. And I'd be, in fact, I, I did have the pleasure of visiting the old Battersea. Uh, I think, we, I think we discussed cakes in the basement office you had there for <laughs> external right. external meetings back in the day, and and then and then of course you 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 immediately picked up the interest in the United States. I recall um, one of those things that sticks in. I think it would have been licensing show around about that time, two thousand thirteen, two thousand twelve, and you you were having a presentation in a meeting room there, and um, I was turned up as as an existing licensee through several clients, of course. I remember you outside the room you'd stack the goodie bags for people to take after the uh, after the event so uh, we my me and my colleagues trooped in heard from uh, you heard from michael acton smith and one or two other people i think i think we stood around to chew the fat with either you or some of the team other people then emerged from the room and every single goodie bag had been completely cleared from the front of the room <laughs> by the marauding hordes of would-be licensees which is oh people if people nick stuff enthusiastically that's always a good sign you've got a hot property isn't it I can't remember which license, or as you know, in, in, those, in those shows in Vegas, everyone goes from big presentation to big presentation. Yeah. Uh, and I remember those goodie bags were incredibly leery in yeah. terms of their visual. <laughs> uh, and, and everybody went on then to other license or presentations yeah. <laughs> with, with, these, <laughs> with these loud bags. Um, That's exactly right, yeah. Yeah, no, I mean, it was, it was incredible. It's just an incredibly proud journey as well. Yeah. Um, having seen, uh, having seen where we came from in Battersea to, to yeah. where we, where we continue through and still now, I mean, the team have now pivoted into a mindfulness and, um, yeah. and, and sleep and it, it, I'm, I'm still, it, there's still a number of the team there yeah. from when I was there several years ago. So it's, yeah. it's a brand, even sat here sort of in my home office, yeah. Behind me, I've got a, an old printing tray full of moshlings to remind yes. me of that time. <laughs> um, I, was, I was worth hearing. Tell me a little bit about, though, I mean, you, you had a sort of false start in America that you were pressured to launch in Toys R Us probably before you really wanted to, and that, that sort of didn't really work. Can you tell me a little bit about that? Incident? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it, it, again, great learnings. I mean, America is so different. Um, in terms of scale and size and the locality um, of, of needing sort of really people that understand the market so well. Yeah. Um, I won't say there was an arrogance about us because there was nothing arrogant about the company, but naivety, I think is mm-hmm. probably a better, a better yeah. phrase. 
Um, we opened offices in Union Square in New York. We yeah. opened yeah. in Santa Monica in LA. Yeah. Uh, we hired great people. We, we grew too fast. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and I think it would have, we would have done well to have taken a breath and taken some stock of what we were doing. Mm. Um, mm. But you know, during that period, one of the great things about Mind Candy was the, we, we had two great investors, Index and Excel. Um, yeah. who, who were investors in various other companies. And, and one of their other investments at the time was Supercell, um, okay. Clash of Clans. And yeah. I, was very, I, was, I was lucky enough to go and, and spend two days at that studio in Helsinki. Mm. And my biggest takeaway was that they, at the time, celebrated growth without hiring. Right, um, yes, yeah. W- yeah. Whereas we, at the time, at Mind Candy, were, were high. <laughs> we're, we're hiring like high on a hiring. rocket ship um, <laughs> yeah. and, and sometimes you catch yourself in the kitchen and really not know who who, who was doing what <laughs> right, okay, um, yeah. <laughs> but no I mean a, a great from a personal standpoint I was very lucky Michael effectively let me almost run my own company within a company yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, yeah. I, I was lucky, you know, I did the, our movie deal with Universal Studios mm. and we, yeah. uh, the, the music deal with Sony and, yeah. Um, yeah. and we, we broke records and molds. And I mean, I think our Nintendo game was the, at the time, again, the biggest selling in the market from a publishing standpoint. I mean, people will still talk about the, we got up to selling over 200,000 copies of a magazine a month. Yeah. I Which I think the ab- yeah. I think the average kids' title at the time were doing forty thousand. Yeah, and, and so, the top selling titles at the moment only do about sixty thousand. So right, you're right. So three three and a half times what um, what you can do what the best ones are today. Yeah, amazing numbers. Yeah, but it was a uh, it's great. Every, all the business books that you you read tell you that you have to have a, a a journey that doesn't succeed. So you take those learnings on with you. Um, mm. And it, it, it took me a little while to, to appreciate that. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> well, yeah. Well, I think but, the, the, yeah, success, uh, I think, and yours is a typical example. Whilst you're doing it, you're just doing it. You don't really quite often give yourself time to sit back and analyze why and how. And, and it is a great adventure and, and neither should you really in a way. And it is only with the hindsight later that you can look back about maybe we could have did things a bit differently. But I think that's probably the wrong way to look at it. It's all part of learning. And as you say, yeah. you could, some things will, will then stick for the next thing you try, which is the way to yes. look at it, I think. I think so. yeah. And in your case, eventually uh, your days with uh, Mind Candy came to an end then. And um, I'm trying, but did you go straight to Universal Studios? I'm trying to recall. Yeah, I did. I, I, I did. I actually, um, and, and Dylan Collins might, might listen to this. I, I actually took a role with, with um, at Super Awesome. Okay. Right. Um, yeah. And uh, my, my, my good lady wife, who had lived through five years of startup, Mind Candy, yeah. and, and me not really being home yeah. ever, yes. um, uh, in her wisdom said, can you not do another startup for 12 months? Yeah, right. uh, we yeah. had two young kids. Can you just yeah. be around? Yeah. So um, Dylan was phenomenally um, patient. So I, I, I actually didn't take that job in the end with him. Yeah. Um, albeit I hung around as a, as an advisor to super awesome when they needed me. Yeah. Um, and I took the role at universal to run Europe, Middle East and Africa, mm, yeah. which again, it, it was at the time almost a startup within a, a public company. 
Um, yeah, because they hadn't really done their own thing in licensing, had they, for a long time? They were out with agencies and so on and so forth. And this was the start of their new structure, wasn't it? That you yeah, that's to, right. Yeah. yeah, so I, I came in um, with the remit of, of, of reviewing, closing our agencies and putting our own teams in place. Yeah. Um, I remember at one point I had a, a hiring plan just for my team of over 100 people. Wow. Amazing. Yeah. Um, so I, I was spending all of my time in interviews rather than <laughs> rather than doing what I'd like to do, which is actually get stuff done. Um, <laughs> but it, it was it it was an amazing experience. I mean, I, I I very quickly realised there were pieces of the business over at Universal that were fascinating. Um, I mean, Kevin McLennan, who's the, the head of Comcast International, was a, mm. an amazing guy. Um, so I sort of learned from watching him at town halls and uh, and sitting talking to the mergers and acquisitions team. Yeah. Um, uh, so yeah, I sort of I learned a lot in a short space of time at Universal. Mm. Um, but I don't but think you was, got your wish to sort of stay home much. Was that right? You were still finding yourself traveling the world uh, at that. I was. I was still yeah. in, in. I was still in probably Los Angeles more than I was in London. Mm. Yeah. Um, which I, I've got to admit, I love. I mean, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I, <laughs> um, traveled. I mean, it is a drug. Um, yeah. Cur- I yeah. think currently this is the longest I've been home for twenty-three years. Right. Amazing. Yeah. Um, yeah. Which is, I don't know. I've now I've now flipped the other side and I'm enjoying being around. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe you'll appreciate the traveling again a little bit more when you can go. Back I think to so. It. It's true. It's true. It's true. <laughs> But but you, but you weren't you weren't able to sit behind your desk in uh, in London and uh, and build the new universal structure. So was that one of the reasons why you decided to to leave from leave that role after a comparatively short period? I think you were there. I think so. Do you know what? I'm 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 incredibly I don't know, entrepreneurial is probably the right phrase. Um, during the time at Mind Candy um, and and other sort of startups that I've advised. Um, over the years, again, I, I, I love seeing something grow yeah. um, or coming in and, and growing a division from nothing. Yeah. Um, and it was a, a, a brilliantly, I mean, Universal is an amazing place. They're, they're, they look after their team. They look yeah. after their staff. But for the, for the speed that I was used to working, mm. um, I don't think I was ready, quite ready for that pace. Okay. Yeah, <laughs> uh, I, I think when I left Universal I, in my exit interview, I, I said that I joined them in first gear uh, yeah. constantly, but was was slipping into third. Yeah, and, <laughs> and, and my personality likes to be in first or second. Yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, I I joined um, uh, a, a European distribution um, company, MTW. Yeah, um, and predominantly working with who I consider the, the best toy company ever, uh, Thinkway Toys, mm-hmm. who yeah. at the time had licenses for um, uh, for Star Wars from Disney, um, yeah. Global Master Toy on Minions. Yeah, and that was a bit of a masterstroke from them, well, because a lot of people um, didn't pick up on Minions, Stroke Despicable Me, as is always the pattern with new films, but they were in very early, weren't they, with that license? Yeah, I mean, this is I think that's one of the secret sources of Thinkway. Um, yeah. was willing to not take a chance, but definitely uh, an early adopter. Yeah. I mean, they, as a business, they took Toy Story when everyone turned it down okay. for, yeah. for Toy Story 1, <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. which really was the, the first huge IP taken on. 
Yeah. And that, that, that's led to a 25-year-plus relationship with Pixar. Yes. Yeah. Um, and then, um, yeah, Minions was um, amazing. I mean, I, if you could see me at the moment, I'm, I've got Minions <laughs> product. Or, I mean, the, the interesting thing about that franchise was the, the breadth and depth of the, the products held. Yes. Um, I mean, from everything from a, a $2 collectible right up to a $100 uh, fully motorized yep. animatronic yes. talking figure, <laughs> which yeah. uh, it's a great legacy. And it's, it's great when pitching for new business yeah. um, to, to have all of that institutional knowledge of how to make all those things. Yes, um, exactly right. And, and a brand that went to, I mean, really did go to every corner of the planet. <laughs> yeah. And again, they're, they're still strong and there's every chance of uh, having another wave of a revival with subsequent movies. And of course, I, I, I'm intrigued to know that, you know, if you like Pokemon, Moshi Monsters, Minions, a lot of your licensing has actually been with, with little cute little creatures that were collectible in one way. It's, <laughs> it's true. <laughs> it's, very, it's very true. Exactly I think so. that, yeah, I mean, I think that that breadth, I also like these brands and, and all three of those did transcend um, genders. Yeah. Um, all, all three of those were adopted by boys and girls. Yeah. Um, and also an older and an adult audience. I mean, yes. Yeah, a sort of secondary audience. That, that, that's really true. And I, there's another connection between you and I, because I, I, my first license when I was consulting for Yoplay was Pokemon as well as Tops, and then uh, Yoplay also did Moshi Monsters with you as a big promotion, and Pokemon also did uh, Yoplay also did Minions as a big promotion on the Froobs brand. So, the variety of product, but also core for some of those great FMCG brands works for them. All of those brands yeah. worked across it. Yeah, and do you know what I mean? Um, Moshi and, and and actually Minions. I mean, the, the the thing I like about what we do as an industry is not the easy things that we do. Yeah, um, there, there are. I mean, when I was a licensing agent, um, we used to. I used to have access to practically every licensee list for every brand. Yeah, um, because we were representing Sony and Fox and yeah. Paramount, yeah. and and what you saw was a real spine through those uh, franchises of the yeah. same licensees. Yeah, would yeah. would come up over and over again. Yeah. But the thing I like about our industry is there's it's not the weird and wonderful that's uh, is is the doing something different yeah um so i mean at mind candy we would look at companies that had never done a license before and not see them as a company of oh well there's other things we should be doing but actually this is an area this is an area that we could break into and break the yeah. mold yeah um actually much much like you've just done with um with yeah. uh, with your with your gin uh, exactly. And in, in fact, that's the whole basis of Asgard Media's business is trying to bring new companies into licensing because uh, anybody who's got experience doesn't really need assistance on the uh, advice side from a manufacturing point of view. But if you've not done it, or if you've only dipped a toe in the water, that's where we try to come in. So interesting that that was what you were trying to do in those Mind Candy days. Yeah. And I think I mean, we were definitely, I think, with Mind Candy and with Angry Birds. Um, uh, Talking Tom, which was oh, yeah. also around the same yeah. time, and yeah. we, I, I would say in terms of that new wave, I mean, Pokemon and, and Mario were before us, yeah. bringing con console into merchandise. Yeah. We sort of bought that next wave, which was um, early web games yeah. and early early mobile. Yeah. yeah, 
and and now i mean now where i sit if you if you look at the pitches that i'm doing globally at the moment um the excitement is from gaming and from platforms yes um, yeah, yeah. yeah less less hollywood um, <laughs> of course, yeah. I mean, less Hollywood, more digital. It's yeah, um, absolutely. And, and 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 this is where I mean, it's not just from a revenue standpoint, but from the the fan base. I mean, they they stick around longer. I mean, if you look yeah. at uh, Minecraft, you, I mean, you'll know from our industry. Normally, you you sign a license and think, okay, well, start the clock with there's three <laughs> years. Yeah, there's three years of this license. Yeah, uh, three three good years. <laughs> yeah. Um, but something like Minecraft, uh, that's I don't know, six, seven, eight years in now, yeah, uh, and and still strong has been well managed, um, yeah. And I think we're going to say that see the same things now with the the rise of um, Fall Guys just exploding mm. off of, of yeah. PlayStation and going on yeah. to other platforms and yeah, um, and and Among Us and and other IP coming through. Yeah, absolutely. Definitely, definitely the future. Well, at, normally at this point in uh, the, the podcast, I ask uh, our guests to name the, th- the three favorite licenses that they've worked somewhere. I think you've given us plenty of clues as, as, to, <laughs> as to what those three would be. So I'm, I'm guessing you're going, oh, let me see, are you going to do Pokemon, Moshi, and Minions? I would have thought out of the many that you mentioned. Yeah, I probably will do those three. Yeah, I do. I mean, I, I will say, I mean, <laughs> Yeah, I'll do those three. <laughs> I mean, Yu-Gi-Oh will be up there as well. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah because it was such a Yu-Gi-Oh and, and actually in One Piece. Oh, yes, the, yeah, the classic anime. Yeah, okay. yeah so I, there's definitely the, the Japanese uh, influence has always fascinated me. Hmm. And I'd need to ask you whether you had any, you must have dozens, but one example of an odd or unusual or interesting meeting or interview you had across your career to date yeah there's so many um i mean we i go back to russia i mean (laughs) so many great experiences in in russia um i'm gonna say my favorite meeting was in roman abramovich's nightclub (laughs) okay in in russia (laughs) And he had a, the DJ's booth because we did stay. Uh, we started the meeting early and stayed through. But the, D, the DJ's booth was on hydraulics. And the louder the noise of the crowd, the higher the DJ went up to the ceiling. <laughs> and I've never seen it before or since. Um, but I think that... I think there's something in that for, for future nightclubs. <laughs> well, maybe that's going to be another chapter of your uh, working life at, at some point. Uh, but we, our time's run out for us, really. We need to wrap this up. But um, some fascinating stories there. And thank you very much for joining us with, for Living With Licensing. Thanks for having me. A big thank you to our sponsor, Dependable Solutions, the licensing management software specialists. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this episode of Living With Licensing, please tell your friends and colleagues.